Well, hey, I have the privilege of working with the teenagers here at our church, and I love it. I wouldn't want to do anything else. And so I hope that you have enjoyed the past few weeks where you've gotten to hear from different uh, staff and uh, our pastors. Uh, Pastor Bob spoke the first week on Jesus being our cornerstone. And man, if <clears throat> Jesus isn't what we're about here, then we probably need to shut this place down. Um, and then we talked, uh, after that, Pastor Mike talked about community and the importance of the body of Christ, the church. And it's not this building, but it's us as people and our need for each other, especially during this pandemic. And then last week, Pastor Steve spoke on being a student and pouring into other people and developing and leading them. And that's where I want to pick up this week as we continue on. Um, Back in uh, September, our church had our vision night and we talked about getting back to the basics and talked about making disciple making our priority. And I've been just ex pretty pumped about being able to share that heart with you this morning because that is at the crux of my heart. Uh, when I came to know Jesus in October of 1982 at age 21, um, I had this old guy in this church gave me this little booklet called Knowing Jesus, and he says, hey, you want to get together next week? And for the next two years, he met with me every week and helped me grow and disciple me, and, and I wouldn't be where I'm at today without him and so many others who have poured into my life. So I'm grateful for that. Um, uh, one of the things I want to uh, just uh, do before we jump in is just say, hey, this is a, this is a tool we're going to use today. And um, like a tool... Uh, uh, this hammer is a tool, but when we, we see an amazing architectural building and we see how it was built, we don't go, oh man, I wonder what kind of a hammer built that thing. You know, because we don't do that. We see the finished product, we see the fruits of the labor. And so when we talk about today, we're going to see this is a tool. And, but before I go on, I want to give credit where credit is due because I learned that lesson the hard way in Bible college. I was a sophomore at Colorado Christian University, and I was um, in preaching class. And every once in a while in preaching class, they'd, they'd hear a good message and they'd, it, with the seniors, and they'd have a senior preach to the student body. Well, I preached this message, and they, they liked it so much that they asked me as a sophomore to preach it in, to the student body. And I, said, I told them yes. What I didn't tell them is I had stolen that sermon. And um, yeah, and so uh, I ended up uh, on a Friday in, at Colorado Christian University, preached to like 250 students and the, and the uh, staff at the school, and it went over great. Well, that Sunday, so two days later, um, I, uh, my preaching buddy had been begging me to go to his church while well, I was an intern at another church. Well, I got that Sunday off. So I decided I'd go with him to his church. So we go to his church and we do every, what all preaching class people do is they take out the bulletin and they look, okay, what's the passage? What's the title? And who's preaching? So we get there and we pull out the bulletin and it says, it says uh, James 1. And then it says the prize in persevering. And it says, special guest speaker, Greg Speck. Well, that was the exact sermon and person I stole the message from. Because he's a friend of mine, Greg Speck. And I look up over there, and sure enough, he's sitting up front. And I'm thinking, oh, this is bad. And I lean over to my preaching buddy. I say, hey, Cal, you know that message you heard in chapel Friday? He goes, yeah. I go, you get to hear it again. He's like, 
you stole it? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, get away from me, you know? And he is, and so the message is going on. And I mean, with every, he's like, the illustrations too. And I'm like, I know, I'm so bad. And so it's just not good. And I am being ridden with guilt. And I'm just like confessing my sin and going, I, you know, I got to go talk to Greg afterwards and I'm going to have to talk to my professors. Oh, it's just bad. So they finish, we finish the message and I go up and I'm waiting for him to finish talking to people and then uh, he finishes talking he looks over he says hey Bill how you doing is this your church I said no I never come here and uh, and I said uh, and Cal's over here going he has something to tell you and I'm like yes I do and so I Greg I need to ask your forgiveness and he goes what's up I go I stole this sermon that you just preached I stole it and I preached it in chapel on Friday, and I didn't give you credit. I, it, I, it was wrong. I, it, it was just wrong. And I ask your forgiveness. Please forgive me. He goes, I forgive you. He goes, it's nothing new under the sun. How'd it go? And I said, it went over great. And he goes, ah, that's fine. And, and Cal's over here like, what? Don't tell him that. Anyway, so then, oh, I wish stories would end there, but they don't with me. Um, I said, could you do me a favor? I said, he said, sure. I said, this is the eight o'clock service. You got two more services. And I said, a lot of students from our college go here. And I said, when they come up to you after the service and ask you where you got the message from, could you tell them you got it from Bill Freund? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. And I am your youth pastor. So anyway, um, it was bad. So I, the next day, Monday, I went into my professors, told them the story, told them how it was wrong. They gave me a big fat F. Um, which I more than deserved. Um, but this is, I'll never forget what my youth professor told me, or my professor in Bible teaching class told me. He said, Bill, God has given you his Holy Spirit and he wants his Holy Spirit to speak through you to prepare this amazing meal for your people. He says, when you take somebody else's meal and you chew it up and you put it back on the plate, it's not very appetizing. And I've never forgotten that visual. And I'm so grateful to God that he taught me a hard lesson well at an early, early time in my Christian walk. Um, so I say that today that the sermon I stole today, the guy is dead. He's not going to show up anywhere. No, just kidding. Um, no, this message today is my message, but it's using an illustration that Dan Spader with Sun Life Ministries uses called Four Chairs. And he talks about the four calls of Jesus. And this has just been my life. And so it's easy to be able to explain that to you using those four chairs as a, as a illustration. But before we do that, let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you um, that you can take sinners and you can forgive them and you can use them. And Father, today I pray that I'll communicate what you want said. God, thank you for being an amazing, loving, forgiving, accepting God. For it's in Jesus, your son's name, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so today I want to talk to you a little bit about um, how Jesus developed people in his life and how he called them and the four challenges of Jesus. Before then, one of the things I love about the Olympics, though, um, before we jump in, is the Olympics 
is even before it starts, is, is the passing off of that, that torch, right? They go from city to city, and they're passing off that torch, different people, different ones carrying it, city to city, and then they get to the stadium where they light the Olympic flame, and then it's game on, right? And hopefully we get to see some of those this summer again. But I love that part because it's certainly what Jesus has done for us. Uh, in Timothy, it says, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust the reliable men who also be qualified to teach others. Jesus gave us that original handoff in Matthew chapter 28. And I'd like us to look there right now. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in, uh, reading in verses 18 to 20. Jesus had died and risen from the dead and he's getting ready to leave. And he gives the disciples really their calling, which is really our calling. And he says to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the end of the age. That original baton was handed to us, and we are to pass that good news on to others. And so as we look at these four calls of Jesus today, um, there's just really basically I want to talk about four calls. Come and see, follow me, fish for people, and bear fruit. So come and see, follow me, fish for people, and bear fruit. So we're going to start at chair one. Chair one, and I'm going to take you to John chapter one, because this is where Jesus gives that first call. Um, he's with Andrew and John. And he says in verse 35, the next day, and this is John the Baptist talk, talking here. The next day, John, John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples, Andrew and John. When he saw them, Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this. They followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following him. He said, what do you want? And they said, where are you staying? And he said, come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Now, I don't know what they discussed, but they were with Jesus for a good amount of time. But we do know that two verses later, you see Andrew running to his brother Peter going, we found the Messiah. We found the Messiah. And so whatever happened here, they believed. They came and saw Jesus. And can I just tell you, when you spend time with Jesus, he will change you and he will change those around you. And their lives were immediately changed by being with Jesus, just coming to see. And that is our job too, is to call people to come and see. Come and meet this Jesus. Come and see Jesus because it's all about Jesus. Chair one, come and see. Chair two is follow me. Later in that passage, he asked, Phil, he asked Philip to follow him. He sees Philip, he says, follow me. And Philip then says, hey, this is the one, that, the very next verse says, this is the one Moses talked about. And so Philip, being around Jesus, spending time with Jesus, believed who he was. It changed Philip's life. This chair here is about curiosity. This chair here is about commitment. But what happens here? is radical life change. And we don't want to forget, pass that up and we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay? Follow me. Then we come to chair three and it's fish for people. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus has uh, the two uh, sets of brothers, Andrew and, and Peter, James and John, with him. And he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, fishers of people. This chair is about our calling. Jesus, when he calls people to follow, it doesn't come just, hey, hey, we're going to have start this club, the Jesus Club. And we're just going to hang out and uh, life's good together. You, you know, you, you believe in me, so you have eternity. No, it comes with a purpose to fish for people. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In Matthew, earlier in the book of Matthew, chapter 9, Jesus looks at the lost people. He looks at the people and he says, they are helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And it breaks his heart. He has compassion on them. And then he says this, the harvest, he called people who didn't know Jesus a harvest. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And then he says, we need to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. Now what Jesus doesn't say is the harvest is plentiful, the believers are few. Because there's plenty enough believers in our world to reach all the people who don't know Jesus yet. But they're here and they, they haven't become workers. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And so he calls them to be workers in the harvest field. And then the fourth one is multiplication. We are bearing fruit here. John chapter 15, Jesus had just finished the Passover. He was on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane and he stops at a vineyard and he gives that famous talk on the vine and the branches. And he says in chapter 15, verse 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus is talking about multiplication. He's talking about reaching the world. It's always been that for Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. So these are the four of us. Let's like take a, look, a little bit closer look at each of these. Jesus describes a person in this chair as lost. Lost isn't a bad word. It just means that they don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. And by the way, if you're here today and this is you, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming and seeing. Thank you for being curious enough about Jesus to be here. Thank you. And by the way, we all start here. This is all of us. Ephesians 2 says we were dead in our transgressions and sin. Okay? Now, that's not like Princess Bride mostly dead. That's dead dead. Okay? Dead people can't do anything. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, we, are, we start here. Everybody starts here. I remember when I was here. I was a 21-year-old, and I was really messing up my life. And I got invited by a friend of mine named Scott Kaczynski to go to some stupid church thing. And you know what? It wasn't the free he had asked a ton of times. And finally I went to come and see this Jesus. And he changed my life. And it's never been the same. And all of us start here. We 
all start lost without hope, without, there's none righteous, no, not one, none seeks after God. That's our condition with, unless God does something about it. But, oh, aren't you glad that God did something about it, right? Okay? And that's what happens when you move from chair. The goal here is to see these people believe to move to chair two. They're lost and they need to understand who Jesus is and they move to chair two. But what happens is radical transformation. This is not, by the way, when I was here in the, before I knew Jesus, I wasn't a bad person needing to become nice. I was a dead person needing to become alive. Big difference. Christianity is not about making bad people good. It's about making dead people alive. Make sense? Okay, and we can't forget that. And so what happens in between here is life changing. If anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, they are a new creation. The old, it's gone. The new has come. And I had new life, new hope, new start, fresh start. And I was forgiven. And I came here, chair two. Well, radical transformation. So this, the people who follow, Jesus said, follow me. And those, that was the call for those who believed. Follow me. It wasn't a call to follow a program. It was a call to follow the person of Christ. When I first became a believer, I just started following Dale Arnson around. He's the guy that asked if I'd meet with him. I just started following him. So I just started following him around. Um, not, not awkwardly like a stalker. <laughs> okay, <laughs> clarify that. Anyway, um, but he would say, hey, we were having men's prayer breakfast, you know, on Saturday. And I go, well, what's that? And he goes, it's men. We're praying and eating. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm in. So I would go, and these guys were serious about praying. They were praying that people would come to Christ, and it was awesome. So then, you know, he said, hey, you know, I'm working with the little kids, you know, and can I help come and work with the, the little six and seven-year-olds? I'm like, sure. So I went and helped him that. Then, you know, I've, one day I was sitting in church with him, and I look over, and he writes in his Bible, and I kind of took one step away. I thought, God is going to kill him. You can't write in that sucker. I go, we had that thing. There was a big one when I was a kid. The only thing, I, I, we, I did not grow up in any kind of spiritual home. And, but there was a Bible on a, on a table in our living room, and nobody ever touched it. It had Jesus' picture on it, because we all know that cameras were available then. And so it had Jesus' picture on it, but you didn't, you know, didn't touch it. Um, and then to write in it, I thought, God's going to get him. But then nothing happened, I thought. And so then afterwards, I was like, you can write in your Bible? He's like, yeah, I take notes. I go, this is awesome. I can take notes in my Bible. This is great. Anyway, so I just followed him around. That's what following me do. And when you're a new believer, you're described as an infant. And what do infants need? Number one, they need identity. They need to be told who's, who they are and whose they are. They belong to Jesus now. They're, king, they're the king's kids. And they need to know that. They need to know how to walk as a believer. So we help them learn how to pray. We help them learn how to read their Bible and study it. We help them learn how to share their faith. We help them learn how to worship. We help them learn how to serve. All the things we do, the walk, the talk, is, is how to explain your story. That the greatest way to tell somebody else about Jesus is tell them what he did in your life. And we walk and talk. We help them to do that. And we help them to grow in their faith. We need, these people need mentors and mentoring. And that's what people here need. Remember last week when Steve talked about Paul and Timothy, having a Paul in your life, somebody's pouring into you, having Timothy's in your life, somebody you're pouring into? 
These are the Timothys that people need to be Pauls to. We need to help them, to help them learn and grow in their walk. And then when they, as they're following, we want to help them move to become workers. And I, and I know we hear the term worker and we think, oh, stack chairs and, and uh, um, hand out food and all that stuff. And those are all good things. But specifically, Jesus was talking about workers in the harvest field, reaching people who don't know Jesus yet. And these people need opportunity and guidance. If my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4 says that, then I have to give them opportunity. That's why we have our, our, our leaders in our student ministry, our adult leaders are called partners because in Philippians 1, it says, I thank you for your partnership in the gospel. So we have partners in the gospel. But I want them to live that out. So they're already teaching and leading on Wednesday nights with students because it's not about me being the quarterback. It's about me being a coach. We got to move out of that idea that, hey, get everybody to come and listen to me. But it's about each of us having opportunities with our friends and talking to them and, and being fishing for people. We got to be coaches. And so we're living that out here. And, these, and, and I'm giving them opportunity for them to experience God use them in a great way in other people's lives. Because I fear that here, we stay here too long and we have more information about Jesus and don't see any transformation. And information without application brings no transformation. And the Christian life is about being changed. And so we help people here. This is not easy. It's a hard chair. By the way, if, we had a, a, if I had a lazy boy chair, I'd put it right here. Because this is the lazy boy of chairs. It's easy. Our, our, our eternal security is, is for sure. We believed in Jesus. We're going to heaven. It's all good here. It's easy here. This takes intentionality and this is hard. And sometimes it's awkward, you know, talking to our friends about Jesus and wonder what they're going to say. But we have a phrase in student ministry, it's called awkward is awesome, <laughs> okay? Be not always, uh, some awkward is just awkward, okay? But awkward can be awesome when you see God take the and the Holy Spirit works in a person's life that you shared with and they come, it's awesome. It's awesome. And then, we get to chair four. And we tell you, this is, this is the bearing fruit chair. This is where we want to see people multiply. You're pouring into others that are pouring into others. Okay? This is what, we, this is what Jesus' plan originally was. I know we think that if we fill stadiums and we tell people about Jesus, that's how we're going to reach the world. That was never Jesus' plan. Now, did Jesus do, do that kind of stuff? Sure, he spoke to the masses. He had the Sermon on the Mount, and he, he, he healed people, and he, he uh, fed the 5,000, he did those kind of things. But where did Jesus pour his life? Twelve men. He poured his life three years with twelve men. I'll give you an illustration. If we had 10 evangelists and they were able to lead 1,000 people a day to Jesus, which would be pretty stinking awesome, okay? It would take 1,757 years to reach our current population of the world, and that's if nobody else is born. But if you have 10 disciples, 10 believers in Jesus, who say, I'm going, to be, I'm going to pour into one person for a year. So 10 people who pour into one person for a year. And then they, next year now, you've got 20 people pouring into one, pe one person a year. By year 30, you will have reached 
10 billion plus people with the good news of Jesus. Two billion more than the current population of our world. We need to multiply. We need to build and make. This is why Jesus said, you know, he's leaving. You know, famous last words are important. Well, Jesus' famous last words, go and make disciples. Not converts, but disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. So let me ask you, so if, if, if you're, you don't know yet Jesus yet, you're here. If you know Jesus, you may be here, you may be further. If you're intentionally pouring into somebody else, and by the way, as parents, it starts with our family. Our own sons and daughters are the ones we disciple first. But then God gives us opportunity to do others too. So if you're pouring into someone, intentionally pouring into somebody, you're here. If, you're, if you've been pouring into somebody and they are pouring into somebody else, you're here. So this is what we want to do. We want to say, okay, where am I at today? And how do I get to the next chair? And then who is going to do this with me? Because the Christian life was never meant to be done alone. Okay? It's meant to be done together. We're part of the body of Christ. What's, who's, going to, who's going to do this with me and who's going to hold me accountable? So we come back to chair one. I just want to say, hey, you know what? If you're here, man, Jesus loves you. You need to know how much he loves you. We, we help our students to, to, to know how much God loves you. We want them to know they belong here. He died for you. He loved you so much he would kill his own son so he could have a relationship back with you. He loves you, man. It's the very reason Jesus, when he, Jesus was asked why he came, he said the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came for people in this chair. He came to reach those. Romans 10.9, and if you're here today, I pray you'll believe. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that we, th we always think saved from uh, hell, which is true, but it's also saved to live an amazing life that God wants you to live right now. Okay, this isn't about the destiny. It's about the journey and the destiny. Does that make sense? So come and see. And then follow me. If you're here, let me just encourage you. Do all those things that we talked about. Identity, walk, talk. You have to learn how to feed yourself. You know, study the word yourself. Clean yourself. We have to ask forgiveness from God on a regular basis. We have to do those kind of things. Do all those things, but don't stay here. My fear is that most churches in our American Christianity sit here all their life. This is where we sit. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Pray. Pray. That's where it starts. We need to pray for an urgency. I would say, think back to your time when you became a believer, when you believed in Jesus for the first time? Because maybe, maybe in your life, maybe you're here and that fire's gone out. I was with my son. Uh, we had some friends from Texas. And now you know you have good friends in, from, when they drive 18 hours here to visit you in Minnesota in January. 
Okay, those are good friends. Anyway, we had some friends last week in town, so we decided one night to do s'mores outside, so I started a fire, and then I went inside and did a few other things, and then Drew and I, my son and I, went out to get out, and he says, Dad, it's dead. And I say, it looks that way, but Drew, watch this. And so I got some twigs, I got some branches. <laughs> oh, God, what are you doing? <laughs> okay, I got some twigs, I got some branches, I put it on there, and I started blowing started fanning it, started fanning it, and suddenly it flames came and we had our fire again. Maybe your fire has gone low. And maybe you need to do what David did in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation. You need to find that burning ember. You need to Fuel it, you need to fan it. And have a, we do that by praying and asking God here. We use a thing called Life in Six Words. It's an app you can download on your phone. It takes people through the gospel. And I always tell people, if you can swipe, you can share your faith, you know, because it takes people through the gospel. And I've done it with tons with students and it's great. But we need to, we need to begin praying. One of the things we also do is we ask students to pray for three lost friends. Begin praying for three lost friends because it's hard to pray for three lost friends and then see them and not have the Holy Spirit go, hey, you're praying for these guys. You might want to talk to them about me. Chair three. Oh, and by the way, one last thing. I don't know if you guys know who Penn Gillette is. He's Penn and Teller. You ever seen the show Penn and Teller, the magic show? It's a pretty cool show. Anyway, Penn Gillette is, a, is an atheist. And uh, after one of his shows, a guy met him in the parking lot, gave him a Bible, and, and shared the gospel with him. And, you know, uh, one of, and uh, Penn Gillette just said he wasn't interested. And one of uh, Penn's friends said, didn't, uh, one of his atheist friends said, didn't that make you mad? He said, no, I respect him. He says, he really believes that there's a God. And he really believes that, there, that if I don't believe in that God, I'm going to hell. And he says, he's trying to keep me from going there. What I don't understand is people who call themselves Christians who don't share their faith. And then he said this, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them? The words from an atheist. Man, yeah, the harvest, it's plentiful. That means there's people waiting just to hear. Be workers. And then be a multiplier. God wants to move us to multiplying. He wants us to not just pour into others, but man, when I meet with students, I tell them, hey, what I'm doing with you, we're going to turn around and do the same. <laughs> so I tell them from the get-go, you know, I'm not, this is, this is us working together here to reach people. And my, here it is. Every student, everywhere, hearing the gospel from a friend. That's what I want. It's a God-sized goal, but I believe it can happen. So, where are you? If you're here, man, we're praying. I pray you believe so you can, be a, so you can follow Jesus and you can see what it means to, to have an amazing life that he has for you here on earth. And then you can just start pouring into others and helping them understand too. And then just see God multiply that. I want to end with a story about this bell. Um, I have a good friend, Greg Steer, um, and not all my friends are named Greg. <laughs> um, I have a good friend named Greg Steer, who a few years ago visited, uh, went to Germany with his family. And while they were there, he wanted to go visit a, a concentration camp. 
And so he visited a concentration camp in Dachau, Germany. And a place where horrible, horrible things happened to, to so many Jews. But while he was there, at 3 o'clock, this bell rang. And he was like, what is that? What is that bell for? So he started beginning to ask, ask around. And he came to find out, he, he finally found out that after those camps were closed, before they were opened up to people viewing and going seeing them, somebody had erected a tower and put a bell in. And, and here's the reason why. They said, they put that bell in there and it goes off at three o'clock every day. Because at three o'clock was, is, was the time recorded in the Bible that Jesus died. And that bell was put in that place to see that during, in the midst of a horrible, horrible situation, there's hope. Well, you and I are called to ring that bell as well, aren't we? Not just in Dachau, but every day. Not just at three o'clock, but all the time. We're called to ring that bell of hope for our friends who don't yet know Jesus. Because if they don't hear, they, they, their eternity is, is destined for a place away from God called hell. And we don't talk about that much. But you and I are called to be that bell. I pray that today, wherever we're seated, we'll get off our seat and we'll move. And we'll get involved in God's rescue mission plan. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege it is to know you and to make you known. God, I don't know where everybody's heart is today. You're looking at hearts. But I pray wherever we're at, we'll move that you'll help us in 2021 to be the year that we got off our seat and we moved. Father, grow us. Help us to always come and see because you are good. Help us to be involved in the harvest that is plentiful. Help us to be a worker. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen.